hello to you out there. Today, you're going to listen to a couple of boy geniuses talk about boy genius. I'm Charlie. <laughs> and I'm Corey. And this week, we are going to be discussing boy geniuses, the record. Uh, we really wanted to do a post-Grammys episode, and this was um, one of the most nominated albums this year in between just the album itself and uh, some of the individual songs on it and uh, we ended up picking a good one uh this group did quite well at the grammys actually they um walked away with free awards over yeah. the course of the evening they were all um none of them were televised actually their awards uh because the rock categories i guess don't get the ratings that they would have in the past but uh it's pretty impressive that they did it and they beat some heavyweights if you've been listening to us for a while we discussed the most recent album from the Foo Fighters which of course got some nominations and we figured that that's a shoe and they always win it's a strong record but no um this was a woman's world at the Grammys this year I heard that yeah. It, people slept on that album. I don't care what anybody says. But, well, yeah, you know. yeah, they did. And um, <laughs> but yeah, that brings us to our question. Is it worth it? Are these awards deserved? That's um the Grammys say it's about quality. So that that's always the question with the Grammys. Is it worthy? I'll tell you, not getting ahead, but I think they got, in my opinion, I think they got snubbed on best production non-classical because this album is produced very well. That's that's what, yeah, I, I don't don't disagree with that. Um, as for the other stuff, we're we're gonna get into it. We're gonna get into it. Yeah, because <laughs> uh, th there were. It's not necessarily a knock against Boy Genius. Um, there, there were. It was a stacked year. Some classic yeah. heavyweights like your Foo Fighters, uh, Rolling Stones, Metallica, and then other current people, more somewhat recent, like your um, Paramore and Lana yeah. Del Rey. So very stacked year. So we're not necessarily shading this group as of now. <laughs> It was cool to see Paramore get some flowers there. Uh, first, yeah. first female lead to win that award. That was cool. Yes, first, first female-led group to win the award. I I didn't put two and two together, but it was. It was a women's world. Yeah. You know? It wasn't stuffed down your throat, though, I don't feel like, because I, mean, I didn't think about it like that. Yeah, Tre Trevor Noah did make it clear to us, but... Uh, it, it wasn't bad. And well, he he's a good host. I really actually he appreciated is. his hosting after seeing the Golden Globes a couple weeks ago and with Joe Coy. That was really bad. It definitely shows that it's not an easy job to do hosting an awards show. And Trevor right. Noah kept it moving along very nicely like he has for the past few years. He did indeed. This was like a blind pick almost for us. I'm not afraid to say that. Um, yeah. I yeah, didn't know much about these ladies or about this group. I thought this was the first record they had done and found out that it wasn't. No, it was not. I had just, I'd heard of this group. I'd heard they were really acclaimed. The only one I really had familiarity with at all was really Phoebe Bridgers. And that was just because she was one of the openers on the Eras tour show that I went to. And she even did a song from this album during that performance. But that was really the extent of it. I, I didn't, I enjoyed her performance just fine. But then 
Yeah, I, I wasn't there for her. We we all know I wasn't there for her. So it's hard to make your put yourself out there and get up to the level of the headliner in that case. So she had her fans there at the show. There were people very excited for her in addition to Taylor. Not everybody there knew her, but a sizable amount of people did. And that's no small feat in a football stadium. No, not at all. Not at all, especially in front of Taylor. <laughs> yeah, that's that's really the the big thing. But I didn't even see her whole set. Uh, that was my beer time because I knew Taylor was going to be on for like three and a half hours. So Very I needed good. the. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, some background on what Boy Genius is. So it is a super group um, of free singer songwriters. Julian Baker, Phoebe Bridgers, and Lucy Dacus. They're all some of the alt-rock uh, indie songwriters of this moment. Uh, not You're not going to hear their songs on the radio, probably, but they have pretty sizable fan bases, which is very possible in this day and age of streaming and the internet. And the ladies, they go back to... As a group, they go back to 2018. They become friends before that, went on a tour together, fought, they just do one song, but they ended up doing a whole EP in 2018. And since then, they've collaborated with each other and other artists and raised their profiles a lot since 2018. But they finally got together to record a full album this year, and the album is just called The Record. That's... I like it. I like that people were waiting for it from what I was reading. And then they just say, yep, the record. <laughs> it's, it's, it's perfectly placed. I enjoy that. Yeah. Yeah. And the rumors were getting started because they had adapt they'd begun performing live together. They played Coachella last year. Uh, oh, by the way, I can't wait for the No Doubt reunion performance at Coachella. I won't be there, but I will be streaming that. Yeah, they'll stream that. That'll be cool. Can't, but um that's a different discussion so yeah and uh it began last year january there um they had a film released of free music videos that were interconnected and directed by Kristen stewart which is pretty cool but yeah they just kind of went out did it it was released at the end of march of last year very quick critical acclaim, one of the year's best reviewed albums, which makes the Grammy nominations not a surprise. And commercially, it uh, did all right, too. It made it to number four on the Billboard 200 and topped the charts in Ireland, Scotland, and the UK. Group of women rockers. Um, it was the first time for all three of them to have a number one charting album, right? Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. That is amazing. Yeah. This was their moment, but uh, we did pick an interesting time, too, because right before the Grammys, they announced they were going on a indefinite hiatus. Wow. Okay. But th they're solo artists. It's, yeah. th they'll regroup when it's ready, when they're ready to. When they're playing live, and I, I didn't get a chance to see video of, of their live performances, and on the liner notes, you know, on searching throughout, it's very tough to figure out who's doing what uh, because everybody's just listed as performance, performance, performance. Um, who is doing what, though, as far as the girls go on stage? Do you know? Like, I, in, are any of them playing the drums or are any of them? 
I don't believe so. No, I think the instrument of choice for these ladies is the guitar. I thought so. Um, and Julian Baker seems to be the most prominent guitarist. Heard. So there's that. I've I haven't seen them live. The most that I the closest I got was just Phoebe Bridgers, and she played the guitar, but she had a whole backing band with her. So. Yeah, it's definitely not a trio here, just um, contributing to this. That's for sure. It's a beautiful, beautiful bringing of of musicians here. And uh, I'm glad we picked this one. I, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not putting the card in front of the horse, but uh, I got smiles on this one, you know? Yeah, I, 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 uh, I can say that I got some as well. <laughs> um. But we'll just, yeah, so anyway, Grammys, which is um, why we're here talking about it today. So as I said, Boy Genius won three awards, and one of them was Best Alternative Music Album, which was um, won by the record. And uh, it seems to be pretty accepted. Obviously, there are some disappointed it won over Lana Del Rey. We'll find out if we agree or not with that. Have you listened to that album, the Lana Del Rey, all the way through? I have, yeah. yeah. It's been a while since I have. Um, just we'll see. We're we're going to get into it. Um, and one of the songs won a couple awards, but we'll discuss those when we get to that particular tune. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, I'll save it for that. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're going to save it for that. We are going to save it for that. And uh, yeah, I'm ready to dive into this. Let's get it done. Let's get at it. All right, so the record begins with a song called Without You, Without Them. This really reminded me of the Beatles' Sgt. Pepper's song title, Within You, Without You. That's what the title did, but it's not like that. It's an acapella intro about family. Really strong harmonies here. Um, We don't actually get quite as many of them as you might think after hearing this, which... Spoiler alert, I think is a bit of a disappointment and misleading. Ooh, hot tea take. Yeah, the be- there's going to be a few this episode <laughs> I from feel me. Like we're, hot, we're hot tea takes. Good conversations. I'm on the other side on that one, but uh, I want to hear what you got to say here. Yeah, I-, I like the harmonies. I just wish there were more of them. Um, But it's a brief intro to the album, but it is strong. And... Uh, yeah, I think it sets our tone for this very well. And it was primarily written by Lucy Dacus. The first four songs on this album were uh, independently written with contributions later added. The All of the members of the group are listed as writers on every song, though. Which I like. I like it. It seems like a communal sharing as yeah, far as everybody on this definitely. album. I like that. But tone setter is exactly where I was going for. I think this does set a great tone. I don't know if I would say it's misleading, but it does open us on a different foot than we'll see in a lot of the album. It has a purpose here. And again, cart in front of the horse. But at at this point, as a first time listener, I don't understand the purpose but this is so strong and beautiful that it doesn't throw me for a loop like oh my gosh what's this album which i liked because sometimes you can get that first track that wants to be avant-garde and uh, you know or uh, just like a wild acapella thing and it can fall flat this one sticks the landing coming into this album 
I'm interested throughout this whole intro and I'm excited to see. And then we go to track two. And like I said, it's on a different foot. So it, it's a cool yeah. opener. <laughs> yeah, it definitely is on a different foot. Uh, track two is called $20, primarily a showcase for Julian Baker. Um, has some protest vibes to it. Pitchfork even noted that Julian Baker rallied against George W. Bush at the age of 10. So she's always had a bit of activist in her. So, and this is definitely in that wheelhouse. I think this is a solid rocker. It definitely showcases her guitar playing very well. And I like the overlapping vocals on this one. I think this is a good, true first song. The first track was really an intro. This is really the first song here. And I think it gets things off to a pretty solid start. Yeah, it definitely does. I love the vibe that comes right out of this acapella. And here we are in this wild time signature, overlapping vocals, almost conversation like at, at points i'm gonna get into the just the wild cacophony of sounds that are hidden in production not even hidden but sprinkled in production that i think really elevate a lot of these songs and in this case these electronic vibes that are flowing throughout the the back of this composition are really cool i love the line we play with fire in another life where we were arsonists i love that there's this it's again we talk about setting a tone in the first as an intro but you're right this first true track really lets us know who they are uh get a little piece of of writing i think pretty strong narrative uh storytelling style that we'll see throughout this album a good a good track twenty dollars i'm i'm on again i'll go back to first time listener because we were talking about this being a blind but first time I'm still on. I'm I'm actually getting more excited now because it's a sound and I, I'm going to touch on this a bunch going through, but there's a real familiarity in all of their sounds, in my opinion, but it's not like they're just repeating a sound, but there's familiar pieces throughout here. And this one has a lot of them and I, I dig it. Yeah, most definitely. This song does have a, it, it's fresh yet um, familiar at the same time. Yes which the best songs here absolutely do. And I think we continue that with the next song, which is a different vibe, but um, it showcases another facet of this group and another member, in this case, Phoebe Bridgers with Emily, I'm sorry. Uh, Pitchfork in their review noted that this was likely based on a defamation lawsuit filed against Phoebe Bridgers by a former record producer of hers named Chris Nelson. Phoebe Bridgers had sexual relations with both Chris Nelson and his girlfriend at the time. Now, Chris Nelson and his girlfriend ended up breaking up, but his girlfriend did continue a relationship with Bridgers. And uh, uh, Phoebe's pretty outspoken online. She did posts about it, and he filed a suit. It ended up being dismissed, but... Uh, it seems to be based on a messy situation, and that's why she's apologizing to this Emily. Um, I really enjoy this song. I think this is true confessional songwriting. Like, th this is a flawed narrator, but she's owning up to those flaws. And uh, I know this is definitely the vibe of this record's very much sisterhood and solidarity and... They probably don't want me to compare each other, but sometimes it's inevitable. And I have to say, out of 
these women, I do like Phoebe Bridger's voice the best. I think she has the most unique tone and uh, it just carries a bit more weight with her words. I will say that. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. I, I really do. Um, this track, though, here we are on track three and we get another side of this band. And again, as a first time listener, I'm not put off by it. I, we're, we're sitting inside now like an ethereal sound, uh, a real dreamlike piece composition wise. And I dig it. Um, and it's it really excited me going into this and being like, wow, we I've seen two, three facets of, of their musicality by now. And I'm not thrown off at all. This album really at this point is still flowing for me. I enjoy this one. Yeah, it it is definitely not a coincidence that these two songs were part uh, put as part of the film with videos to interconnect because they flow so well together. And that continues uh, when it comes to the film with the next track, which is True Blue, not a Madonna cover. This is a Lucy Dacus showcase. She's It's kind of weird seeing her with them because she's so much taller than her bandmates. I don't know if you've seen... <laughs> Saw the picture of them at the garden. Was like she's so tall in comparison to her bandmates. It's wild, but um, <laughs> yeah, this is a love song here. Um, pretty downbeat still. Uh, that this might be a hot tea take. I'm not crazy about this song. I really think that it suffers in part after coming after the previous song, which was a favorite of mine. But it's not just because of placement. I don't feel this true blue really goes anywhere musically or lyrically. It, it just kind of stays in the same place for me. And I would have preferred a Madonna cover to this because it just exists. This might be the gun to the head for me, for least favorite. We're firing on all cylinders together so far on this album. Um, I love this acoustic start here. I like this composition. I really like this composition because because the naked drum really works in this and I dig how they get that going. But for me, by the middle of this song for the first time here, I feel like it's more of like a repeated sound. It doesn't go anywhere, just like you said. It's Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's weird to say because the first three tracks have been so unique and so original but this one, it just falls flat. In my first listen notes, I have maybe another spot on the album because it was coming off of Emily and that was super strong. But I don't know if I can find another spot for this to actually hit. And I'm with you. I, I have this is the first falter, maybe the last, but not to do any spoilers. But for me, this is the first slip in the album well well we'll see if we're on the same page about that uh but before we do that while you're listening please do us a favor and subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening to it whether that be apple youtube spotify 
Audible, Amazon, we're on all of them. Also, leave us a nice rating and review. That would be much appreciated. And of course, follow us on social media. All those links are in the episode description. And now, on with the rest of this album. We're a third of the way through already. Yeah, because now we're on to track five, which is cool about it. Um, Paul Simon is listed as a songwriter on this because... um. This track interpolates the boxer, one of his high points with Simon and Garfunkel. Yeah, it's a breakup tune where these uh, all of the singers trade verses. Um, yeah, the fact that it's these different perspectives, uh, maybe it's the vibe they're going for. I do think there's a bit of disjointedness within it because of that, um, at least storytelling-wise. And uh, it would be okay if I felt that the parts were equal. Unfortunately, here, I don't think they are. Um, I think that the last verse from Phoebe Bridgers just demolishes the other two. That's the one that sticks with me through the song. Musically, it's very pretty to listen to. I mean, they're taking from a great melody to begin with, which is helpful, but... I'm not sure this song is greater than the sum of its parts. And that's a hot tea take, because I know this is a very beloved song on the album. It It, it is a hot tea take for me. I'm, I mean, we get this finger picking right off the jam. I immediately heard the boxer. I'm so, so happy. One, that I'm not just as crazy as I think I am, but two, that I saw them shout out to paul simon in the liner notes and and in the credits for this which is which is great because the boxers there say it and and be proud to say thank you paul uh it's definitely a jammer man i'm with you on the phoebe bridges thing because it was the first time where i differentiated like her sound on this album was like it's a strong sound she's a strong strong unique voice and i dig it um, but I don't feel that disjointedness that you feel on this one. I feel it flows very seamlessly. It immediately, I think even without the boxer musical reference, it would have sang true to a Simon and Garfunkel kind of sound. Um, but it's it's a relaxing tune. I know I needed it here on this album after True Blue. And it shines more, maybe more so because of that. But I'm enjoying it again more so because it is another sound this is the fourth sound on this album and it did for me i think it was a really cohesive piece especially as a composition musically uh i'm i'm all about this one I'm, this one has straight up made it into my playlist yeah you, you so you are more than cool about it is what yeah, you're saying way, way way more than cool about it okay um, yeah, i'm ice cold about this one <laughs> ice cold all righty all right but yeah but is that ice cold enough for you to be not strong enough which is our <laughs> next song um track number six the uh, boy genius uh said this was inspired by cheryl crow and her song strong okay. enough which makes sense what you hear because the hook is not strong enough to be your man. And Cheryl asked, are you strong enough to be my man? Um, huh. I, I like that. I didn't put the two and two together. I, I looked that up. I had to see that. I thought, but it's it's a very cool reference. Of course, we love Cheryl Crow here. If you haven't listened to our <laughs> Cheryl Crow episode, you should do that. 
come on, come on. That does not have strong enough on it, but it's still Cheryl Crow. So, <laughs> but that that's where it ends here. It is a lot more up-tempo than that song. I really do feel that the band is clicking on all levels here. And uh, I kind of love that they're just kind of playing around with convention by saying, I'm, they're not strong enough to be your man. Like, they're doing that, but it's within this real classic rock kind of inspired sound. And this song in particular was a single. It's been singled out as the highlight of the album, and I can definitely see that. I really think they're clicking on all cylinders here. Um, and this song was nominated for three Grammys, and it won for both Best Rock Song and Best per Rock Performance, uh, even beating out the Foo Fighters. But I'm not mad about it. Um, I do think this is a really strong track and i think it's one that will stand the test of time super strong super strong it's strong enough for me i'm with you i'm so glad you said it i'm with you on the storytelling it for me i was thinking 90s maybe early 2000s indie rock storytelling but still like it harkens back to a real rock way to tell a story and i dig that always an angel never a god Ooh, I love it, man. You know, a play on always a bridesmaid, never a bride, but in the the most, I'll, I'll say highest and no pun intended, but the highest honor inside of it. It's a really neat play. I think it fit well. I'm with you. All cylinders. It is a kick-ass, super strong jam. I don't know, man. Does it beat out the foo? That was a tough one for me. That was a tough one for me. Um, but it's definitely a highlight of this album, if not the highlight that yep that's a very fair point i don't think there's much to disagree on with it being at least a highlight of this definitely yeah. strong enough to do that unlike what the title says but now we're going to move on to uh i guess if you're listening to the vinyl you'd be flipping the album over now with track number seven which is revolution zero this is not beatles influenced actually like you might have <laughs> expected uh based on the references of the previous two songs, but this is a Phoebe Bridgers lead vocal about generational apathy. Um, I And I really, I, this I connect with. Um, it I feel like it's just, she's only a few years older than me. And it just is, again, just this feeling of resignation and wanting to give up uh, that's really present in these lyrics. And... They they cut through, but they have a sense of humor about them, too. I mean, I don't want to die. That's a lie, but I'm afraid to get sick. It's like, yes, you're speaking a lot of, you're dropping some truth bombs here, but you've got a sense of humor about it. And I really appreciate that about this tune. This is um one of the best here for me. Super strong. Coming at number seven, especially after what we've seen on this album, especially coming out of Not Strong Enough, there was a propensity to have a flat song here, and we have the opposite. Even though it still sits for me in this ethereal, dreamlike sort of state here, it's it sings strong all the way through. It's amazing. A really, really well done song. I have to say... I'm a little surprised not to see if you're going to call out, which I just learned the Cheryl and, and, and Paul call the Beatles out on this because you use the strings in a, in a very similar way. The 
almost reverse tape sound that this song goes out on was very reminiscent of the Beatles for me. I thought it was a straight line. <laughs> Honestly, I enjoyed that about this album. When I talk about this familiar place, this familiar sound, even with the different uh, facets of their musicality that we see throughout this album, there are direct lines to things we know. Talk, we talk about the subconscious listener. This hits subconscious listener for me in a million ways. Yeah, I can definitely hear what you're saying there. But it's funny that's not a direct reference because the next song, well, it's title is a reference. Track number eight is called Leonard Cohen. Uh, he's listed as a co-writer along with Ho Jun Yu, who I've never heard of before. Um, I do like the Leonard Cohen reference here. I do like, like, I'm not an old man writing horny poetry. I thought that was a clever line there. But other than that, this doesn't leave much of an impression because it doesn't allow itself to. It's more of an interlude than a song. It's under two minutes. And it just is kind of there for me. Um, and that's a shame because I think there is a song in here if it had been thought out a bit more. So I think this was a missed opportunity, in my opinion. I, I'm on the other side on this one. I, you know what? I didn't realize how short it was till you just said it. And I've listened to it a bunch. It's a very basic sound here. But for me, I feel like the song is elevated by the lyrics. If you're going to do a Leonard Cohen and call it Leonard Cohen and have the anthem in here, then... You got to do a strong singer storyteller jam. And I feel like that's what we have here. I'm I'm really surprised to see that it's a minute 42 seconds. This song, I don't know. I maybe it's this familiar beautifulness that I fall upon on this album, but I, I really enjoy this track. Okay, two sides of the same <laughs> coin there. Oh, but uh, we, we are gonna have a we're gonna follow a short song with one of the longer songs here, which is Satanist. This is a rocker that Julian Baker wrote after watching a documentary called Hail Satan. And it's kind of just about asking a friend to go to extremes with you. Like, will you be an anarchist with me? Will you be a nihilist with me? But the second half goes into a moodier feel, for sure. Definitely distinct parts. I do prefer the first rockier half. It's a cool enough song. It's not one of my favorites here, but it, it it's fine. It's there. I love this song, man. Oh, man. This has Weezer Verve pipe feel. Really? Oh my gosh! Most definitely with that downstrum. Doom doom doom. Oh man, I I I jam on this. Um, I, I really do. I love this sound, especially for what she's saying inside of it it makes sense i won't say that we got another side because we hear a little bit of this earlier on oh, in the yeah. album but uh i really enjoy this song man i mean maybe uh, that's I'm my issue surprised. we did already hear it <laughs> yeah it, we have we have heard a little bit of it but i don't feel like it's like a repeated sound you know it it, it stands on its own i was surprised that this wasn't a single uh, you know uh, true blue was a single right yeah so i i don't know i for me this is a single way over true blue well they they had to give i guess they wanted to give each of the writers their own single is my guess with that and okay all right but um well speaking of lucy dacus we're, we're gonna 
distilled out a bit more, I think, with our next song, which is We're in Love. This is a song about the bond between the band, actually. And pretty spare musically, some light orchestration, mostly piano-based. Um, Baker actually didn't want to include this song, but she came around to it. And uh, I think it's a nice sentiment of a song, but it really drags. It's almost five minutes long and doesn't really go anywhere musically or vocally. And uh, I I mentioned the thing about each writer getting their own single. And I think that they're unfortunately, hot tea take, I think Lucy Dacus is... uh, the weakest link of this chain. Um, I do not enjoy her contributions as much as I do the other two members. And I think that her voice, it's pretty, but it's not really memorable. It doesn't hit me. I don't connect with it. And uh, Rolling Stone noted that the on and on and on and on line at the end was a reference to Taylor Swift's This Love from the 1989 album. If you haven't listened to our episode on that, please do. And uh, I didn't even pick up on that. I had to read that. And uh, to me, that's a bit of a problem because that's a song from my favorite Taylor Swift album. I gave that album an A plus when we did it. And, uh, have, and I didn't even notice it. And Honestly, hot tea take. If that doesn't say that this is a boring song, I don't know what does. Follow your gut. Follow your gut. If you didn't want to put this on the album, don't. Because unfortunately for me, the only reason I can figure out why it's on the album is because they wanted a little bit of a gap between Satanist and Anti-Curse as and musically. That's all I could come up with. I This is my gun to the head uh it 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 falls flat it falls flat especially where it's placed on the album if it was used as a mellow out gap here i understand i guess but i this one man i i was very surprised at this point in the album having so much fun i was very surprised how it's it, it doesn't really fit the album uh, because the album is so beautifully produced and on point and everything feels thought out and and i don't know man i i it's it's sad i hate to do that on any song but i have nothing good to say about this one yeah i really don't and i and you know me i try to get the silver line and playbook but not for this one i i agree i'm glad you agreed with me on this song at least because this was not it yeah, Rolling Stone. I we, we'll talk about Rolling Stone at the end of this album too, because I, uh, I got a bone to pick with them, or, or maybe just a, a couple questions for them as far as and you know the Taylor reference. If it is, if it really is, there's no way that anybody's going to hear it because this no. song falls so flat. So it's it's wasted if it is. It probably um, was. If if Phoebe's pals with her, it well, probably was. Uh, you know what I say. If you think long, you think wrong. Follow your gut. If you have to come around to putting a song on an album, then it doesn't go on the album. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, and some sometimes there are great songs left on the cutting room floor, but they're just yeah. not appropriate for that time. I think we've seen that just on this show, even when covering... 
Taylor's re-recorded albums. There's some strong vault tracks, but they just didn't work the first time around, but we got them now. And I think you're correct. If you have to second guess it, follow your gut. If somebody's saying, no, this isn't it, move on. Yep. Move on. But fortunately, uh, even though it's a plotting tune, it is eventually over. And we move on to Anti-Curse, which was inspired by a time that Julian Baker almost drowned at a Malibu beach. And she said, thinking about it, wasn't a terrible way to die because she was out having fun with her friends, at least. Like, she was living her life while dying. So... (laughs) Live like right. you were dying, I guess you could say, even though that's a totally different genre than this. Um, I think it's a decent penultimate track. I really like the story behind it. I do think it's more mellow than the other um, more guitar-heavy Julian Baker lead vocal songs here. But I think that it works for this point in the album. I think this is a good penultimate track. It really does. It, it fits... It spot it does its job perfectly here right before the end. I love the way it builds. It gives a nice cinematic build. I love the drums in this song. It's a good song. It's not a great song, but it's a good song that on this album is made great because of its placement and what it does in the album. Um, yeah, it's it it really worked out here. Most definitely, it worked out. And now we're at the end. Uh, with track number 12, which is Letter to an Old Poet, um, a Bridger's lead vocal. And the title's a reference to a book called Letters to a Young Poet by Maria Wilk. Uh, Lucy Dacus said that that book was an inspiration for the group. It's another song about the group's bond, and I think it's a good album closer. Um, It's a bit short. I do think it ends a bit too abruptly. That's my only real major critique of the song but other than that i do think that and i think it's a much better example of showcasing this group's bond than um where in love was if we're going to be doing that i do think it's just a bit more interesting musically than that song most definitely it not only does it do a great job in summing up and referencing this bond and showing it but for me it's a really nice bow right on the top you know, of this album. It, it it really sums up the whole entire album. You get a lot of the sounds we heard before and Phoebe drives it home. It's it's a neat closer. It does well here. It really does its job as a closer. Yeah, most definitely. And uh, there we have it. Boy Genius, the record. Um, a uh, multiple Grammy winner and uh, even more nominations, including for Album of the Year. And it it worked out that we did that because we did end up covering the Album of the Year already. So we did that a while ago. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, yeah, there we have it. Uh, What, what, we both went in pretty blind to this one. And with that being said, I know we're going to have different grades, but uh, uh, let's hear yours first. (laughs) I really enjoyed this album. I enjoyed it as a first-time listener. I enjoyed it throughout multiple listens to the album. It is paced correctly for me. There are two spots where I feel like this should be a 10-track album, in all honesty. Um, For me, if you leave out True Blue and We're in Love, I think it still runs its course without a pacing misstep, and I think it really is very solid. 
but unfortunately it has those two missteps on them. I can't say enough good things about the production. I can't say enough great things about the way they put their music together and really give us different looks at, at all types of musicality. Uh, and for that, I'm going to give this a strong B, almost a B plus, but a strong B. Yeah. Um, for me, I definitely agree with you about those two songs. And there were some songs here that I think they were good, but not great, or they were just this close to getting to above average um, for me. That There was stuff here that I really vibed with and connected with lyrically. There was some other stuff that just didn't quite stick the landing like I wanted it to. And I did try by listening to this multiple times throughout the week. So I know that a lot of people love this album, but I didn't, I did give it a chance. I didn't quite connect with it the way I was expecting and wanted to. And for that, I'm going to give it a C. Now let's talk about our boys Rolling Stones and DIY giving this album a perfect five-star score. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I enjoyed this album, but that's a very, very high standard that as, you know, a a, a listener and a, a someone who enjoys Rolling Stone, that that's an accolade that goes to perfect albums. And I was very, very surprised when I found out that. Yeah, and I know that it's a monumental release. These are free women who identify as part of the LGBTQ community. It is groundbreaking that something like this has gotten so much recognition, and that's incredible for representation. And it, it these are all talented songwriters, um, but I just don't think that, again, the sum is always not greater than its parts, and this is not a perfect album. Sure. It, th- there's some missteps here i'm not quite sure um why they said that i'm not quite sure why grammy edition hot tea takes does it belong in album of the year so i didn't hear every album of the year uh, released this year or even admittedly of the nominations i probably should have um i'm i'm going to say personally no I think I think it's strong enough to be in there. Again, I've I've listened to uh yeah, not all of them, but most of the albums. And I think it, it maybe can it's a very strong album. It 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 it's not a weak album in any right. I think it can make it in there. I it, mean, it, I mean, do do you think it beats Midnight's? No, no. And and not in a biased way, as an album no. to album. Like last year we had a tough call. You know, we're talking Beyonce and Taylor and we we uh, it was a great conversation, but I feel like this one, unfortunately, no conversation, no contest. Yeah, I didn't feel it was a contest this year. And there are some out there who feel Midnight's didn't really deserve it. They think that she has better albums and uh, it just wasn't as strong. And um, they, they liked other choices better, which that's fair. Um, those other things have their merits too, but Midnight's is a true concept album, and it sure. only grew on me since we did it on the show. I know when we did it on the show, I only gave it a B overall, but my opinions changed since then in going back and listening to it because there's so much going on in the songs. Um, 
So I do think that it was the right decision. I was happy to hear that it was. I think she absolutely deserved it. And uh, she now she announced another album coming out in April now, the Tortured Poets Department. You know we'll be discussing that when it comes out. Um, That's definitely. Yeah, but we're, we're not there yet. But as for, I don't disagree with the song, Not Strong Enough Winning Awards. As for um, the album itself, I do wish Lana Del Rey had one. I didn't like Ocean Boulevard as much as Norman fucking Rockwell, but there aren't many albums I like as much as Norman fucking Rockwell. True. In, in fairness to that, but I do think, again, Lana's a true artist. She knows her craft, and there were some career heights on that album. And maybe one day we will discuss it here. I do think there's a lot to dive into, but she's just such a strong writer. And uh, I mean, maybe this is a hot tea take. I don't think any of the the members of Boy Genius are on that writing level, at least not yet. But then again, Lana's had time to perfect her craft. She's been doing it longer. She's older than them. So maybe that's not a fair comparison, but if we're going to be in this category here i don't think that the right choice was made and it's pretty absurd that lana del rey's first grammy win is actually just being as being a part of midnights because she was featured on snow on the on snow at the beach that's not great in my opinion but she's gonna do a lot more i'm sure and she will get her flowers but Joni Mitchell got her flowers too with um her best folk album I was happy about that and she performed and that's a legend right there but yeah that that's the Grammys tea and I'm happy Miley won for flowers too yeah yeah I thought her performance was incredible (laughs) Uh, it was incredible but it was a tiny bit too much I love her she tried she she over graveled it in places. I that's my feelings on that. Hot tea take. I love her. She's getting a little carried away with flowers these days in my opinion. But what do you expect from Miley? Agreed, agreed. I mean, my boss even texts me like, I really like Miley, even though she's a little tacky. And it's like, yeah, she is, but that's Miley. <laughs> it's but, true. It's yeah. true. I think we were pulling for her. We did do an endless summer vacation episode when that came out. So I we we wanted her to get her flowers and she did. Agreed. So Agreed. but now the Grammys are over and up next is oh wait, no, before we do that, favorite songs on we have to do our favorite song. Oh yeah, Satanist all the way. <laughs> I'm I'm <laughs> gonna go with Emily, I'm sorry. Good song. Yeah. Good song. Yeah, cool those are cool favorites. It almost one out for me, but Satanist all the way. Yeah, those are our favorites. So, yeah, man. All right, but yeah, so yeah, Grammys are over, and now the Super Bowl is coming up, and yes, it's football, but we've got a pretty iconic halftime performer this year, the one and only Usher, um, one of the defining artists of this century for sure. Really hard to imagine a world without his songs in it, and. Uh, um, he, he's going to have a lo- the longest halftime show ever, actually. He he bargained mm-hmm. for more time, and he he has the hits to deserve it. And we're going to be covering some of those hits afterwards with 
our coverage of his 2004 album Confessions, turning 20 this year. A blockbuster of an album for sure. One of the biggest of my lifetime. And I'm pretty excited. I'm excited to discuss it. There's some great stuff there. And especially after the Super Bowl, I'm really excited to see him perform. I'm excited in both ways as well. See him perform and and go back to uh, to revisit this album. It's been a while since I listened to this one. Yeah, me too. But it, it'll be a treat, I'm sure. So, yes. But yeah, thank you for coming in with us on this one, of course. And we will be here to reveal our confessions next week. Until then, take care of yourselves. 